We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome in to The Pod is the Roof, the Field of 68's very own UNC basketball podcast. I am your host, Riley Davis, joined as always by my co-host, Jacob Karabatsis. And today we have a very special guest. He's a known character in the UNC Twitter, uh, Twitter sphere. It's Neil Pierre-Louis, a known I don't, do I want to say NC State hater? I don't know if I want to brand you that way. He knows how to he knows how to get under NC State fans' skin in, in a very uh, notable, some might even say generational way. So we thought, what better guest to have on? So Neil, for the first time on the Pod's Roof, welcome, man. How are you doing? Appreciate. It. I'm doing good. I will I will claim NC State hater definitely. I'm down to drive that title. <laughs> Well, I will say that the Twitter bio, you label yourself as a hater in general. So maybe, you know, in, in case we get any NC State fans that hate watch us, I don't know if that if that's a thing or not. Uh, just know that Neil is a <laughs> he might be finding ops every, everywhere. It's not just y'all. So don't take it personally. But uh, oh, yeah, the, the hater originated actually from I think it was like I forgot what it was before, but I went to the UConn game. So it's just a two or three hour train ride from Boston, New York city. Mm -hmm. And the moment Cameron Spencer just like amped up the crowd. That's when I was like, Oh, I can't like <laughs> this guy. <laughs> I'm, I got a lot to say. So <laughs> it's time to fully lean into being hater. Some are saying 2024 is the year of hatred. Um, <laughs> anyway, <laughs> Neil, <laughs> wanted to give you a quick chance just to introduce yourself. Like who is the man behind this, uh, this Twitter account that I think pretty much every UNC fan knows uh, what's some of your story, your Carolina background or maybe even share top memory at Carolina too. Yeah. Um, like uh, Riley said, my name's Neil. Um, I just graduated from Carolina and man, I studied computer science, minor in stats, um, developer with a baseball research and development uh, team here at the Boston Red Sox. Um, I guess, yeah. Favorite memory at Carolina. Um, really enough. Like I feel like the Duke one, the final four is such a layup. So I'm actually going to, deviate from that um and i'd say when we beat duke in football away my senior year so that was the written cop touchdown but we were I think down jj by, jones like, yeah the little toe tap in the end mm -hmm. zone yeah that was one of my favorite games just i mean i'm from durham so like bar crawling before the game and like just being back home was like super nice and then 
enjoying the win. I'm, like, I just, I love being on the road for obvious reasons as a <laughs> hater, but uh, that was, that was really fun. Um, and yeah, I guess, like, I've always been a Carolina fan. Both my parents uh, went there as well. Weirdly enough, did not think I was going to go there until, I think, decision day. And then I was like, what am I doing? Like, I just need to go here. So, haven't looked back and it's definitely that was an amazing four years for sure and i still obviously am very involved so yeah there you go yeah and you know you mentioned being from durham i'm currently a durham resident love living here uh something that really gets under my skin is when duke fans do the whole you know bull city because it's like you're duke university you're not the university of durham you don't just get to claim durham how does that make you feel a, a true durhamite who grew up in the city all my friends know how I feel about it. Like I, that is the first thing. Every honestly, you can if you like looked at my tweets in the days of Duke games, you'll just see half my tweets are me are like, "Why is this kid from New Jersey like doing this?" Like I'm like, <laughs> look, look, it's impressive. Like you go there, or whatever. Like but you, you can't claim the city. Like I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what are your thoughts on that, J.K.? Does that get under your skin? I mean, yeah, because it's like they think just because the city's small or smaller that they get to claim it. It's like, bro, you know, UNC Charlotte, for example, fairly big. They don't claim the entire city. They're not walking around crowning themselves. Like, <laughs> I mean, it's it's just ridiculous, man. Like, because, you know, I'll bring it back to Boston here. Like, there's a jillion universities in Boston. What, what are they going to do? Beef and fight to who gets to claim the city? Like, that's not how this works, man. I feel like very few schools can claim their cities. Like, I feel like Clemson can claim Clemson because there's nothing else in Clemson. Um, You know, I, I feel pretty comfortable saying Georgia can claim Athens because who really cares about Athens? Unless it's unless it's in Greece, of course. Not trying to hate on my ancestors, but um, yeah. I mean, it's just too big of a city to be doing that, man. Like mm -hmm. we got we got hundreds of thousands of people that have lived or currently live in Durham that do not affiliate with Duke University. So well, let, let's not let's not see any more of that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, we don't need to belabor that any longer. I'm glad we're on the same page as that. But I, I you know, I'm I'm not not gonna pass up a chance to take a dig at Duke on this podcast because we are a UNC podcast. It's what we do. Um, but let's let's go ahead and talk about the game. We're recording this on, on Thursday, the day after UNC went into PNC Arena and pulled off a 67 to 54 victory. Uh, why don't we just go around the horn and say like, what were some of the main takeaways? So I'll start with you, Neil. What what'd you see out of this game? Yeah, funny enough, I. This is so uncharacteristic of me. I had to rewatch like most of the first half because I was out and missed about the first 10 minutes or so. But my main takeaway was like, I thought Harrison Ingram was going to have like 30 boards. Like, <laughs> it was just insane <laughs> the way that man was. It, it was good to see too because I feel like some of our earlier games is definitely an issue. Like, Kentucky, like, I mean, it's how we lost. Like, we weren't good on the boards. Um, and then it's the same thing of every game. Like, the team is just so resilient and they're able to make like shots in important moments when like, and like, don't get me wrong. Like, last year's team, like, so, you know, stuff happens. Like I don't have any ill will towards those guys, but it's mm -hmm. like, there are so many moments last year where it's like, all right, we're on the road. The crowd is getting like amped up. Like we need a bucket. It doesn't have to be a three. We just need a bucket and we couldn't get it. And they just, 
Like, I'll never forget going to the state game and Jarkel Joyner just literally getting, like, nine points in a row, was it? And there was moments in this game where it was like, okay, like, they could go on a run here and then mm-hmm. just shut it down every time. And yeah, it's, it's just such a good feeling to see that. So, and then, yeah, Kado's speed, like, towards the end of the game was just oh, so lethal. Like, mm-hmm. there's just so many different weapons. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's such a versatile team. The way yeah, they're playing it really defense, is. it's like, who is this? Like it's, it's, I don't know. It's so exciting. Uh, it's crazy. Yeah. How about you, JK? Did you add any to that or anything different? Well, first off, I think that was a glimpse into what Cado will be by the end of conference play. I mean, let's just call it like that pass was one of the sickest passes I've ever seen in my life. I mean, just the physics to even make that pass work like the trajectory of it and to throw it two handed is absolutely psychotic. Like, I don't know. That was one. That's like in like, you know, I watch a jillion NBA games, a bunch of college hoops. Like that is one of just flat out the best passes I've seen all year. So, I mean, I thought Elliot Cadeau was truly special in this game. Obviously, you know, Ingram, like, I I, 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 w- I usually wouldn't give one guy credit for this, but I feel comfortable saying that Ingram has single-handedly changed the physicality and identity of this team. Like, mm-hmm. it, you know, uh, Henson mentioned it on the last pod, like this is the first big, strong, physical wing that we've had that with some skill in a while. And, you know, I, it's like every game I keep expecting – what we've seen in the past, which is you play a sloppy, ugly, physical game, and I'm like, the old Carolina is going to come out. We lose these games all the time because we're not running, we're not scoring, it's not mm-hmm. playing in our favor. But I almost don't even think this team's best w- when they're in those high-scoring 80 to 75 games. I mean, this team is truthfully – and I'm not saying built different in terms of their talent. You know, this is not the most talented UNC team in the last 10 years or whatever. There's There's been plenty of them. But this team truly is built different in terms of how they play, how they win, the things that they do. Carolina basketball is back, but it's also way, way different now. And if this is what it's going to be, I feel a lot more comfortable about the future of the program moving forward because the ability to play defense and win ugly games is something that even the national title teams, I'm not really so sure like they had. They just were kind of better than everyone and ran it up. (laughs) Yeah, I think it's something that's a great point. I mean, uh, with being able to win these games ugly, you know, there's the the narrative of like no great teams in college basketball this year. I feel like that happens every year and it's not really true. I don't know. I don't really think that's the case this year. I think that, I think Purdue, UConn, Arizona, UNC, Kentucky, uh, I would say probably the five best teams. And I'd say, I think like Houston Duke uh, have a great chance to like move into that, the, the great tier that I would put them in. Um, but when you look at how like the sport as a whole, like you, you do see more top teams losing on the road. You're seeing a more even playing field because of the transfer portal, because of NIL, uh, a school like, I don't know, take Baylor, for instance, that, you know, not a historic power, but they have plenty of funds to pump into the program. They're doing well in the NIL world. Uh, they're able to be nationally relevant year in, year out. And I think um, it's not going to be even for Carolina, Duke, Kentucky, like 
those schools will continue to get pros. Yes. But I, I think like other schools are making up ground in, in the distribution of talent through the portal. And that's why it becomes important to like win these types of games where you're, where it turns into a defensive slog fest. And, you know, I think I said this on the last pod, uh, definitely after the pit game, I can't say I'm going to be going and like watching full game highlights of this. Cause it, it, you know, it wasn't exactly pretty, but, um, you know, we're looking at a three game sample size here where Carolina has figured it out defensively. And it, it reminds me a little bit of what happened when the heels made the title game in 2022, where a, a flip switched about February, where they just started playing much more connected uh, and good communication. I was so impressed, even in the, the minutes where Armando was on the bench yesterday, uh, Jalen Washington, who's not the most physical guy was just denying burns the ball. Like he was fronting the post and they, they couldn't feed the big man. And I like, if you had asked me before the game, I would have said, like, this is not a knock on Jalen Washington. I got to specify that because I'm not trying to hate on the kids. But, like, I would have thought DJ Burns is looking at Jalen Washington being like, yeah, this is food. This is an automatic two points. So, like, he was he was defending super well off the bench. Um, and even beyond that, I think, like, yeah, y'all hit on Cadeau and Ingram, which I thought were kind of the two player stories. I, I love this for Ingram that, you know, um, I think there's a pretty decent chance he's – playing professionally next year. Uh, I think he's put himself in a good position to get drafted. So if this is his only game in PNC, I love that he like kind of had a, you know, didn't shoot the ball great, only had nine points, but had like a legacy performance with 19 boards. Like that, that's special, especially as Listen, like a Most rebounds in the history of the series is crazy. At six and foot he had seven. like 10 in like the first 10 Dude. minutes. Right? Like the pace was insane. <laughs> like just think about kids that are, you know, that are young right now and say 10 years, they're starting to dig for like stats. And it's like, oh my God, this Harrison Ingram dude had 19. He must be like seven, two. And they're going to look and be like, nah, he's six, six seven, seven with shoes. <laughs> like, oh, like he's, I don't know, man. Don't even get me started because I just, you know, feverishly, I'm thinking to myself, like, what if he does come back for one more year? Hey, we we're I see the vision. I see why it's enticing to think about that, but I just I'm like, we gotta live in the moment because I legitimately think this is a top five team. <laughs> <laughs> no, that, listen, but you brought it up, so I have to bring up yeah, two, yeah, fair, major, fair. two major qualms with the college basketball community right now. Number one, can we cut the shit? Of there's no dominant team this year, dude. All just because a team loses one game, they're like we act like guys are supposed to go undefeated, bro. The top like eight right now are all going to finish with like seven or less losses. So like let's let's pipe it down a little bit about there's no just because a team doesn't go thirty five and zero doesn't mean there's no dominant team. We still know who the best teams are. Second off, I saw this on Twitter, elite elite content. Um. Why is it that the ACC and is constantly getting slandered? Like, bro, they suck. Virginia Tech beat Clemson. Louisville beat Miami. But, like, UCF beats Kansas and TCU beats Oklahoma. And, you know, the media is like, bro, there's never an easy night in the Big 12, bro. The Big 12 so tough. And it's like, dude, pick a side. Did y'all see that tweet that was like, it's harder to win the Big 12 in the NCAA tournament? It's, yeah, it's, it's... I was just like, I mean, like, I can see the rationale, but like it's you just can't say that. <laughs> yeah, oh, don't get like, me started, man. The way I the media picks and chooses their conference the ACC, darlings. Like. 
I've been toying with being a boomer and just going full anti-analytics this year, which I know, Neil, that's like your profession. So I'm sorry if that's offensive. <laughs> I'm not. I like, I've, I've tried to have a more balanced view of it because I, I think like, um, yeah, I, I, I say that, you know, somewhat tongue in cheek because I still I still swear by Ken Palm on a lot of things. I love like the way his website is configured to where it's easy to navigate, easy to find, like what kind of stats you're looking for. Um, however, I will say it's, it's like, there's, it does seem like there's a good amount of teams that have sort of figured out how to juice the metrics um, and figure out his algorithm to where if you beat up on, if you beat like a SWAC team or a, a, an NEC team by like 50, you're going to shoot up in the metrics when, and in reality, I think if, if you're playing like in JIT or something like, and you, you beat them by 50 as opposed to 25. I don't think that really makes much of a difference. Like, cause teams are going to let their foot off the gas. Like they're, and when that happens, the other team can crawl back, like crawl back in it. You can cut a big deficit. So like, that's why I think the big 12 in particular teams like Iowa state, I know I'm pretty sure their coaching staff has gone on record and said they, they, consider how to work the net with their scheduling and it's worked for them the past two years. And and I think, you know, Iowa state's a, a good team. They just knocked off Houston and they're really well coached and everything. Um, maybe we just need to like propagate that better and try to get like the, the ACC coaches on board to do something like that. Dude, I will say, it's like, just, here's the bottom line. Clemson beat TCU. Never, never an easy night in the big 12. <laughs> Like, bro, okay, that's good point. Good point. Like, it's just, I just can't. It's just the, you know, they, we talk about this all the time. We roast Jeff and Rob all the time because, like, the media picks their conference darlings and it's the Big Ten and the Big 12 year in and year out. First off, I mean, I get the Big 12 a little bit, it garners respect. I don't get like, the Big the, Ten at the all. The Big <laughs> Ten is jokes. Rob, the Big Ten stinks. It's Rob, so bad. Like, like Oh my God! Like, don't I'm not gonna sit here and say that like, like I I did not think Purdue was gonna lose that game in the tournament last year. Like that was honestly ridiculous. But like the whole like Big Ten tournament, like I was just like these guys like they're just gonna lose early again. Like I don't know what it is, but I mean I don't think anyone expected it to happen to a team where. I think Zach Eadie's has like seven inches on like every moment, but <laughs> I mean, it happened like, yeah, yeah, it's, I, yeah, it's, it's annoying. I know I just got us off on a tangent, but like, no, no I just I get, I get so tired of like the disrespect. Do I think the ACC is like the creme de la creme? No, they're not a great league, but treat all leagues the same 2024. That's my hashtag and I'm sticking to it. <laughs> I think that's a great point, at least with the Purdue segue, um, like both of what y'all are saying. I I mean, I know I, I would still classify them as a great team. I just think it's hard to win on the road. Uh, but that being said, like, I don't think it's any harder to win at Nebraska than it is to win at Clemson. I don't think it's any harder to win at Nebraska than it is at NC State. Like, I, and, and that's why I'm like, I truly am buying this UNC team as a top five unit that can win a national championship. Um, because we're seeing what, what's been, you know, sort of propelling this narrative that there are no great teams is all these top ranked teams. They are losing on the road. And what has Carolina not done is lose on the road. So um. it's, it's going to be interesting, man. I mean, it gets this month is a little light, but when it comes February, like UNC starts getting some of these wins, you know, at 
I know they just lost to Louisville, but like at Miami, like there, there's a couple tough games in there. I, I just, I almost feel like it's a little bit kind of just disrespectful to to the people who are taking care of business. Like mm -hmm. ACC is not great. UNC and Duke are both really, really good basketball teams. I think it's just that simple. Mm -hmm. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. As you guys know by now, we've partnered with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for the listeners and the viewers of the Field of 68 each and every week of the college basketball season. We have a special offer that will be available starting on Tuesday, January 9th, and running through Monday, February 12th, the morning after Super Bowl 58. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, in honor of the big game, you can use the bonus code FIELD158 and you'll get $158 in free bets on your first wager with BetMGM, regardless of whether or not you win that first bet. Here's how you make it work. Download the BetMGM app. Sign up using the bonus code FIELD158. Deposit at least $5 and place your first wager on any game. You'll receive $158 in bonus bets regardless of the outcome of your bet. Just make sure that you use that bonus code FIELD158 when you sign up. And remember, BetMGM is now available under one wallet in select states. As a New Jersey resident, this is super convenient when I have to go cover games in New York or Philly, which happens quite a bit. When you cross state borders, you just log into your existing account and fire away. You don't have to create separate accounts in each state. It's easy, it's simple, it's clean. And most importantly, we have some fun stuff coming up for the heart of the college basketball season. Bet insurance tokens, college hoops odd boosts, and my favorite, a nice juicy parlay boost. So download the BetMGM app and sign up today. Field 158. 
Yeah. And, you know, I want to stay on that just with this notion of being on the road, because I know, Neil, you mentioned being in the building last year when Jarkel Joyner went nuts. Um, what is it like being in PNC for a UNC game, like from the fan experience? Because I've, I've never seen Carolina play at PNC. I've only I've been to NCAA tournament games in PNC, but I've never actually been to like an NC State game. Yeah, um, those fans are definitely like committed. Like, I think the game was at. 1 p.m. It was on a Sunday. It was at 1. Um, and my friend had a student ticket for me. The line, like, I've never seen something like that. Like, I mean, I guess I have it. Actually, UNC, like, non-conference, we were number one. That was ridiculous. But the line was literally, like, I mean, we were there for, like, two and a half hours. And obviously, I went in undercover. Like, I had, like, green sweatpants and a gray hoodie. I was, like, and I still got spotted. I mean, the day before, actually, funny enough, we um, the Hurricanes had their stadium series game. Oh right, um, right. This, this story is hilarious. I'm with like all my friends because the student section is like level with the ice, but so it's like you're at Carter Finley on the the ground basically, and so all the fans are above you. We go to use the bathroom, and I like I hear something, and I hear Neil again, and I turn. Just a section of state fans just like flipping me off. <laughs> like I didn't know if I should be like, like I was like, that's kind of cool, honestly. The fact that didn't even happen. So, <laughs> but yeah, we go to the game. Um, finally get inside, and yeah, I just, I never had a good feeling. I mean, I don't even think we were favored that game. I mean, the state was ranked, we weren't. Um, and there was a point where, and I will say, like, you gotta give credit where credits due. Like, I've been to playoff games. Like, I'm a pretty mm-hmm. big Canes fan. Like. We go up, I think, like, eight or something. And I think Mondo had, like, you know, layup. And I just – I was like, all right, it's time. Just so stupid. I just – I'm like, let's go. And the whole section just was like, oh, who is this kid? Like, it started booing me. And then Joyner just goes crazy. And actually, I have this video. I have to send it to y'all. But, like, I'm just like – like this. And everyone is just, like, pointing at me. I'm like, oh, my God. This is – it was so loud. Like, honestly, like – I think the players who were on that team last year and play now, like that's definitely got to be a good experience because it was just like, I mean, I don't know how you get any possessions off of there. Like it was, it was crazy. And then from like, once they took the lead, I was like, it's over long walk back to the car. You know, it, it sucked. And I chance. It just, it wasn't, it wasn't good. It, it was definitely like a overall good experience. I mean, people weren't rude or anything. I think like the whole NC State fans are gonna kill you. Narrative is like stupid. It's just mm-hmm. a bunch of students from Wake County. Like you're gonna be fine. But right. Um, they um, yeah, it was it was definitely an experience for sure. Uh, that game sucked. That might have been the worst <laughs> one I because I I was at pretty much every home game, and I think mm-hmm. losing to Pitt sucked a lot. That was where I was like, I don't know. And then yeah, an NC State game. That uh, that was I was like, we're gonna need to rattle off some wins here so yeah and then it was gone in a moment and you know I I think you mentioned this when you were first talking about that NC State game where Carolina I want to say had some leads of either six to eight points somewhere in that range and that that home pit game as well I think that was the one where UNC went up six or seven in the second half and Pete Nance started flexing uh because I was at that game when I saw Pete Nance flex Pete Nance flexing like Pete Nance had like the the demeanor of 
like a Buddhist monk or something. That dude was so like calm on the court when he started flexing. I'm like, oh, we're winning this game by 20. And of course, UNC lost. Like, uh, it seemed like it was always an issue last season that Carolina couldn't extend the leads. And I want to say even there's probably a stretch of three or four games in a row. It seemed like like Carolina would go up anywhere from six to seven points in the second half and not be able to push it to double digits. They'd go up nine, wouldn't be able to get to 11, uh, which I think is a bit of a, when, when an, when an opponent sees that double digit deficit, I think it knocks the confidence a little bit, let teams back in, but this team is the exact opposite where, um, you know, it happened again last night in the game against state where it was big shot after big shot and critical moments. Um, I mean, I know RJ Davis hit that three to, to go up 17, um, really end any hope. But I think there's another, I mean, that, that I know JK, you referenced it, the pass to Armando that put Carolina up 11, I believe, um, from Cadell. And one too is huge. That was another one. Yeah. I, I like, I think that's maybe the most underrated part of this team so far is that they've had an answer like this five game winning streak. They're on had an answer to every run that teams have kind of made to, to sort of cut into any lead. Yeah, I think the toughness and physicality just kind of like plays into it because, God, I'm going to knock on one of my own teams right now. As a Celtics fan, I can speak to this. The Celtics have not won a title because the Celtics fold when they get gut punched. And that's exactly what North Carolina did last year. That's what they've done in years past. This year, like, their abs are flexed. They're eating the punch, and it's like, bet let's go make a play it's just such a different mindset this year dude and like you know I just think it's because RJ's a bucket Armando's just been there for so long that he's just ready and then you got Ingram and Cormac who are just dogs Trimble is just a dog and then Cadeau like yeah he's young he's not even supposed to be playing right now and he's like, I don't think he's a dog. Like, when you look at him, you're not like, oh, my God, dude, I wouldn't want to mess with Elliot Cadeau. But, like, he's got some stuff to him. Like, he does. Like, yeah. the little – when he when he makes his little am ones, when he blows by people, gets fouled, like, he's got some stuff to him. So, it's like, this is the first UNC team where I don't panic. Like, when a team does go on a run, I just don't panic because I'm like, these dudes actually thrive off of that like they want that like Harrison Ingram he he fiends for that type of energy like he wants it he he mm-hmm. wants he wants it the hard way he wants the smoke he doesn't care if a team goes on a 6-0 run he's just gonna be he's gonna get the guys together it's just I mean gosh we said it earlier but I'm gonna keep saying it I mean it just it's such a different brand of Carolina basketball but mm-hmm. man I love it yeah, Neil, were you going to add anything to the clutch shot making or even the MO? Yeah, I was going to say, like, I think uh, y'all got to follow him, too, on uh, Twitter. Andrew Weatherman, it might have been him who mentioned it, but UNC last year, um, like, the like, – I think in terms Ken, – Ken Palm has some, like, luck metric or something, and they were, like, one of the worst teams. Like, and I felt like even if we were the same talent level, like – and same depth as this season, I feel like it would have had to regress it some way. Because I actually made a video um, at the end of that season where I I think I, I recorded the end of, like, every quad one loss. And it was I, just insane how, like, we just did not have a single ounce of, like, 
luck or clutch gene or anything. Like, it's crazy. Like, if you had told me when we lost to Alabama in four overtimes that, like, if any shot goes our way that game, we're probably in the tournament. We're just like, I don't know, just just insane that Caleb Grill has, a, you know, legacy game. And then I, I don't even know what he's up to now. He got, like, kicked off the team. <laughs> like, it's just like, and then oh, both Duke games being the same score and the us not scoring for the last three minutes of, like, both of those games. It's actually, like, that. that's the thing that, like, like my some people have asked me, like, you know, like, if this team were to be good, like, would you have, like, any FOMO? And I'm like, honestly, no. And if I did, it wouldn't be because, like, we lost the Natty to Kansas. It would honestly be because we didn't make the tournament last year. <laughs> just because, like, it, I don't know. Like, I felt like that team wasn't, like, a typical team that misses the tournament where it's, like, they just flat out sucked. It's just, like, it was – there were so many opportunities – Mm-hmm. And I think it's honestly a good thing because, like, Mondo and RJ are definitely, like, I don't know. Like, I, I can't even imagine that off season. Like, they just – that's – it had to be on their mind all the time, so. Mm-hmm. I mean, look, I can tell you, you know, you graduated after the most disappointing year ever. Graduating after blowing that 15-point lead to Kansas was – one of the most detrimental experiences of my life. It was so bad. Like, because, you know, got to rush, got to storm Franklin Street twice. And one, you know, the final four one just hit different. And then you're up at half by 15. And you're not saying anything out loud because you're like, all right, don't want to jinx it. Don't want to jinx it. But you're thinking to yourself, like, we're about to storm Franklin Street. And then the worst thing ever. Have you, have you rewatched that game? I, I don't know why I did. I did it for the first time. Uh, I think it might have been last winter break. Uh-huh. And it's just like, it was exactly how I remembered it. Because um, funny enough, I, I didn't say it out loud, but I went to a watch party way closer to Franklin. So I was like, oh, we got this in the back. Like, not, not any chance. And were then, you at were you at like a bar or was it someone's house or what? Yeah, so I was at my friend's house off of like Ransom Street, so like mm-hmm. a little further. And then I go to my friend's place on North Street. And then it just it happened. I mean, obviously there was levels of intoxication that contributed to this, but it, it happened so fast. I just remember like it was literally one moment the game, like we were up, and the next moment we were losing by like three. And I was just like no, there's no way. Like, <laughs> and then I yeah. did rewatch it for one reason and one reason only. I wanted to make sure that I wasn't hallucinating at Remy Martin turning into Ray Allen in the second half of that game. Oh my gosh, I completely forgot. I have not rewatched that game. I don't plan on. Well, it. let me tell you. I can go back and rewatch it. Martin. The luck stats that Neil was talking about, Remy Martin. I don't even want to know what the luck stats would be on his shots, but this he dude, I've, I mean, I've never seen anything like it. Like, I've never seen such a bad player go on such a generational heater, and I just... It, One of those threes, he takes, like, 14 steps, not even lying. It'd be just, like, the craziest thing ever. I remember watching that, and I was like, nah, this is this is sickening. <laughs> like, <laughs> Dude. Hey, uh, Remy Martin... 
20 points against Creighton that tournament, 23 points against Providence that tournament. So Bro. it makes me feel like slightly better, but at the same time, I like completely forgot about that name. I've blocked oh. out that second half, dude. I was dude. uh I was in the Dean Dome for it, and I just remember so I mean, my wife and I both went to Carolina. Um, we were on Franklin Street in 2017. My phone background is a photo of us from that night, and I vowed to never change it until we win another national title. Um, probably a little sickening because I have a kid now, and maybe you would think that would mature me a little bit, and I'd say, oh, maybe I want to look at my son every day. But no, I'm still thinking about 27. Hey, no, you can see your son in person. The background <laughs> got to stay. <laughs> no, see, it, it's but, just crazy, but, man. At, at like, halftime, I was like, oh, I'm going to be changing my, my background tonight. It's finally, it's finally happening. Dude, well – I mean, it was just a mixture, bro. Like, I know Caleb Love had been generational in that tournament, but if we just get a subpar, if we just get a subpar Caleb Love game, we win by like five. It was tough, but I mean, I still at the at at the same time like wouldn't trade wouldn't trade that that run for the world. That it was such a fun ride, dude. It's so fun having your team in the final four. I really it was majestic. I know, and we'll get to relive it again this year, so it'll be great. Yeah, uh, I'm gonna get us back on track. I feel like we kind of covered the state game. Oh well, no, Neil mentioned Seth. I like, uh, I don't know how much you've listened to our pod, but we we end up just like singing Seth Trimble's praises on literally every podcast, and it's gotten to the point where I'm like, dude, he only played 14 minutes last night, but had six points. Like every time he attacks the basket, I think something good is gonna happen. No, it's, listen. It's it's insane. Also, while I'm talking, I'm going to switch my camera so I can charge my computer, but I'm going to keep talking. My camera's going to be off for a second. But Seth, like the way it's so funny because I've I've started going to the UNC Boston bar and like we'll just be watching the game together and Seth will just like, I don't know, he just starts flying. Like literally, these like some of these layups, I'm like, is he trying to like, go for the jam and then yeah he'll just like end up on the ground but it, it works in such mm-hmm. a weird way but i'm really I, loving this play like him having like an offensive component to his game now is just like it's such a game changer like mm-hmm. it's it's huge yeah jk what were you gonna add about seth i just can't like i can't get enough seth trimble minutes i mean i it doesn't matter he just seems Every time he's on the court, it doesn't matter if it's for 10, 20, 15 minutes. He's just finding ways to impact the game. I mean, love the kid. He always plays hard. Insane athlete. I mean, I'm going to stick by this, because, but I, I genuinely do think he probably is. He's not the best, obviously, but I do think he might be the most important bench guy in the ACC because like what is this bench without Seth Trimble Mm -hmm. I mean he brings all the energy he does everything I just you know he's just one of those guys I mean he's one of those guys that you're never gonna actually next year you probably will because he's gonna have a much larger role but you know looking back at these first two years you're not looking you're not looking at it like oh my god dude Seth Trimble's a freak you're just looking at it like this dude's going to be one of my favorite Tar Heels ever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, he's he's quite literally won us a couple of games this year. I mean, yes. he, he basically won us the Arkansas game. He sort of won us the Pitt game in his play in the first half. Like, so nice to 
it, it, all, the, it just seems like he doesn't really care if he scores either. You know, he's happy to just go lock up the best wing or best perimeter player on the other team and attack the basket and try to put someone through the hoop. <laughs> I also think he's going to be pivotal on Saturday. Um, I know we probably won't do an in-depth preview, but mm-hmm. his ability to slash is going to kill that zone. Like he's, he's going to be, I was watching their game against Boston college last night, just to kind of, kind of prep myself a little bit. And are they playing zone? Like I thought they were playing pretty much. They're playing like a hybrid. Like when I was watching them against Boston college, they played, they were playing some sort of, of zone. It was, I think it was a matchup zone, Mm. but Boston college was chucking threes the entire the entire game like it was i don't know if they'll come out in that coverage against us yeah but i mean it's very very it's weird i mean i just i don't know i think he's going to be able to cut him up though yeah i think i mean i'm sorry i'm just looking at a box score from the boston college game they brought judah mince off the bench and i i think like I don't know. We, I, I'm hoping that this game will jumpstart the UNC offense, which has sort of been in a slog recently. Uh, Syracuse is not great defensively, whether they're playing a matchup zone or man to man. And they have a lot of size on the perimeter, but this could be a big Armando game. Like, I don't think they really have anyone who can check him down low. They don't. There's six, seven, six, nine is pretty much their front court. So he has to eat. It'll be nice being back at home, too. It's, been a minute so <laughs> well be either if you be in attendance i won't be no I won't, I won't be there oh you're trying to run it. i won't oh, be there but you... i'll be at the i'll be at the boston college game actually next saturday I'm oh, super excited for that. you coming to any games in chapel hill this year neil yeah probably who do we play the weekend after virginia tech because i was going to take my younger sister to a game mm-hmm. um it'd, it'd be nice to come back as well at some point I think it might be Miami. There's um, a Miami that game, game that Monday. Yeah, yeah, cool. Yeah, so probably that game. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's let's wrap it up with a little bit of four corners. Um, something we do at the very end of every show. We have like a segment where you have to choose basically four things, rank four things. Uh, Neil, people who follow you probably know that you kind of made a name for yourself with ranking establishments uh on franklin street in chapel hill so i want to get your top four like restaurants top top four places to eat in chapel hill all right um it's a good one i'd say number one well i'll i'll say my four and then maybe i'll rank them i'd say like maybe not the best food but just off of like vibes like number one's gotta be four corners you know like that's I feel I've seen, but my dad just goes now and he'll just send pictures of no context of the inside of four corners. Um, and I'm just like, yeah, that's, that's four corners. I don't know what you want me to say, but <laughs> I'm glad you're there. Um, it's definitely one of my favorite spots to the point where actually I went back winter break and the waitress was just like, Oh, where have you been for the last like yeah, six months? I was like, Oh my God. Um, I'd say two, I have to go to Alice Burger Shack. I wish, like, definitely I have a gripe with the portion sizes. Like, I think the burger needs to be bigger for the mm-hmm. amount of money you're paying. But mm-hmm. it is, like, it's just, it's electric. It's mm-hmm. so good. Um, So that's definitely up there. And then three, 
This might be like a, I'm not sure how many people are familiar with this place. Pirate Captain. Have y'all been there? Never been there. Walked by it plenty of times though. I'd say some, they've, they've got some elite ramen for sure. Really? Um, okay. I I feel like there aren't many good ramen places around like the triangle in general. Yeah. Like that place it's like legit too. Like I, I've, I've gone, I think there was a point where me and one of my like good friends uh, after every home game, like we made it kind of a tradition to hit pirate captain after. And the best Mm -hmm. is that like, I feel like it's not like that well-known of a place. So it was like, like you can't go to four corners pretty much after a game. Like it's Mm -hmm. it's packed. The pirate captain just be like pretty much empty, like get a table get your ramen in like a few minutes. It was so nice. Um, and then four, this would be a tough one, but probably throw buns up there. Like different from buns slept on. Yeah. The buns is very slept on massive portion sizes from owls. And then I, I respect any restaurant too, that like, like if you're, if your sauces, like if you have Chipotle mayo or something mm-hmm. crazy like that, like you just, you know, ball, like <laughs> they like, <laughs> But yeah, I'm always like experiencing something new there. So that's definitely a that was a that was a COVID staple because I, I lived mm. in um that COVID year I lived in like the union apartments they just built next to Lark. Right. And like Buns was right there and like it was criminally amount of money I'd spent there. <laughs> like, hey, I got a crazy buns theory. Sure. Whoever started that restaurant one hundred percent used to work at Five Guys because those fries are literally Oh my god, don't get me started, bro. Buns, it's elite. Like it, dragon sauce. I could like inject that straight into my blood stream. Dragon sauce is so good. I might have to get buns next week. Y'all are killing me now. I I Riley knows I'm I had my, so- my soccer game before this, and I'm starving. <laughs> so I'm like, I need all buns right now would be crazy. <laughs> oh, dude. See, man, there honestly, there's just so many good food spots in Chapel Hill. Like when I wanted a cheap convenient plate that tastes good i would just always end up sliding to hibachi and co every time hibachi and co is pretty good jk what's your top four? Oh my god four corners the vibes and this is such a weird food item for me but i love it their turkey burger is elite i would Don't, never thought to get that <laughs> dude i used to get the turkey burger all the time bro with the sweet potato you might be fries the only person who's ordered it <laughs> hey i probably was they have my they have my order memorized because i ordered it twice and they were like this weirdo is the only person that's ever gotten a turkey burger here <laughs> um so obviously four corners for vibes i will put hibachi and co in there just simply for like bro i'm not gonna lie it was like three days a week minimum because it was seven dollars for the freaking hibachi chicken plus you had the card i would stamp it up get my free plate eventually um for a for a little i guess this one's a little bougier and not as realistic but i love top of the hill bro that food slaps like their food is so good um i think a lot of people hate on topo topo as well and say that the food isn't that good where yeah i've always had a good experience there same and then four is buns 100 i'm pro buns over owls like i just am i just think buns is elite dang i I don't know if i can get there with buns i love it but yeah my i have like a a holy trinity of med deli ip3 owls i think those three are indispensable i know med deli hopefully they reopen soon uh, I know they had the fire, but yeah, that place is 
10 out of 10 every single time. It doesn't miss. I love Medelli. Um, IP3, it's I think it's not just the pizza, which is great. It's the whole vibes of uh, you know, you always have the employees arguing in Italian. Uh, I know a guy named Vinny who works there now who's the absolute man. Um and his name is Vinny, just like a classic Italian name. Yeah. <laughs> and like the the environment is great. Love the memorabilia off the uh, up on the wall. Also, very underrated spot to watch like an away game sometime. Um, and then Al's, I love, but I do agree with Neil. Portion sizes need to be bigger. I swear those burgers used to be bigger, and they like shrunk the size somewhere along the way. Um, fourth, if I'm going like super bougie, I love Kipos. Um, but I know key, I already kind of gave the Mediterranean shout out with Med Deli. So I might, I don't know if I, it's probably between Kipos or Four Corners, like for all the same reasons y'all listed about Four Corners. So those would Nostalgia. be my cool. Yeah. Yep. Y'all just reminded me too. Like I would, I never really went to the Med Deli off campus, but the one in Lenore, I would go like, dude, it was bad. Senior year, I was there like every day. It was, it was insane. They've actually, they added this uh, NPL Ben Alpaca, the Peruvian chicken. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't throw that on there because it's not Franklin, but that would be my right. honorable mention since there's one really close. That place is insane. I like, do love that's That's the thing I probably miss. So, somehow, that's what I miss the most. It's like every time I go back to North Carolina, I'm like, I need alpaca. It's so good. <laughs> Last food take, unfortunate food take. Love Chipotle. Chipotle on Franklin Street might be the worst Chipotle of all time. It's a really bad Chipotle. It's terrible. Yeah, I would terrible. always just drive to the one in Durham because I just can't. Like that Chipotle is so, so bad. <laughs> the one by uh Trader Joe's is pretty good in Chapel Hill. That other one. There's like a steak shack or what's that? Shake Shack. That's over there now, too, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I just God, dude. You can miss me with that always- line. I would always just feel bad for the people working there. Like I remember I tried to get order. Um the it was like I don't know who you played that day. Oh, it was the Coach K's last home game. I tried to go like an hour before and I was in line for like 30 minutes. And I was just like, whatever student is working right now, like, look, like there you gotta get a better job. Like this is just <laughs> not worth it at all. You're gonna have people yelling at you like the extra rice, extra this, mm-hmm. you know, like, and then it, it, it just sucks. It, it's mm-hmm. it's definitely a terrible place to work at. <laughs> I've had friends work there, and yeah, they hated it. So, not well, enough money in the world. Yeah, hopefully, uh, you know, all these places we mentioned stay open. I know it's like high rent on Franklin Street, and yeah, that's part of what keeps Chapel Hill special. Though, is there's not too many chains, although unfortunately it's increased in recent years. Um, but yeah, that's what. That's what we're hoping to see, uh, kind of as we uh, good having some good eats as we watch our our good basketball team. That's going to be back in the top five this upcoming Monday, uh, assuming a win on Saturday. Don't want to jinx it. But anyway, I'm Riley Davis, joined again by Jacob Karabatsis and Neil Pierre-Louis on our first, uh, our, its first guest appearance on our show. That's it for this time. <laughs>